Welcome to my block, 121, a podcast dedicated to the vibrant community of my street in Harlem, New York City. Throughout this podcast series, I aim to showcase the extraordinary nature of my childhood friends, even though they may not perceive themselves that way. To me, they are all exceptional individuals who beautifully embody the spirit of my block, 121. Join me as I illuminate the stories and shine a light on the unique experiences celebrating the unsung heroes of my neighborhood. My block, one, two, one. Let's get it. Welcome to episode two, part one of the My Block, one, two, one podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce our special guest, my brother, mentor, and block one, two, one representative, Kenyatta Bell. Known as Yada in the industry, but to me, simply Ken. Kenyatta holds a degree from Syracuse University and an MBA from Columbia University. He's a former concert DJ and has a rich history as a former Mercury Records and Quest Records A&R. Today, he's a sound therapist and entrepreneur distributing herbal medicinal medicine with a practice spanning from Miami to Peru. In this episode, we dive into Kenyatta's journey as an A&R, including his interactions with renowned figures such as D'Angelo, Rodney Jerkins, otherwise known as Dark Child, The Roots, Jay-Z, Dame Dash, and John Legend. Enough of that. Let's get to the episode. Yes, sir. On this My Block one one podcast, I'm just here with my brother, my mentor, Kenyatta Bell. The extraordinary Kenyatta Bell, even though he doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't even perceive himself that way, but he is one of the most um, talented individuals all across the board, and he's from my block. Um, yeah, uh, he's a big ant. Thank you for that. It is, it is what it is, you know. Um, you know, Columbia MBA, uh, Syracuse grad, um, music dealer, music music entrepreneur um goes down the line and um he may not say it but he's he's a part of a lot of of the some of the legendary acts and legendary um music that's come out you know if he realizes it or not um Kenyatta uh you know I know his whole story but it's for for me to you know I'm a, I'm gonna highlight it and direct him today, but um I want him to talk about you know how he got into the game, and I'm gonna just set it off with you know you being a DJ at Syracuse University, and how did that propel you um, to move transition into the music business? Can you tell us something about that, Big Ken? Yeah, actually, uh, being a DJ, it didn't start there. I mean, you know, what propelled me or attracted me to work with music began really with my childhood. Okay. If you, Daddy, you want to okay. take, take it there, take it there, <laughs> yeah. take it, show show the history. I, we, mean, I know, but let's, you we, know, I'm going to let you, you know, talk, talk me through it. Tell me, tell me what's going on with uh, your father. Yeah. I think the the mic is coming in and I out. Hear Can you, you hear me? Okay. Okay. Yeah my my interest and attraction to music started just from a you know super young age before college. I mean, like both my parents were musicians. My mother, my mother was a violinist and a pianist, um, singer and. Her her mother was a piano teacher. Uh, my dad's side, he uh, both his parents um, were affiliated with music. His mother taught uh, taught piano lessons in Muskogee, Oklahoma, to to neighborhood kids, and and then he he uh, took up actually at Xavier University took up the tuba <laughs> and then went on to be, and then from the tuba, you know, we're talking about, um, oh, he was born in 1921. And then he, he went from the tuba 
and started playing the stand-up bass. Um, and most people don't know about um, bass players or jazz bass players. They they started with the tuba. The tuba was the bass line in marching That's bands. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, you know, both my parents are musicians. My dad was a was a jazz musician who um, had a lot of influence in the house um, when I was growing up, listening to him play, watching him play, watching him write, watching both of them write music together. And I was, you know, started early at age seven or six uh, at Manhattan School of Music, um, learning piano and music theory there and and then took uh, an interest in, in the drums uh, and then when I got to, I guess, my early teens, right. my dad put me with some teachers and I had three different teachers. Um, started out with a guy named Sam Ulano, and then he put me with another drummer named Andre Strober, who's from the M. Tume family. Yep. Remember M. Tume? Yep. And then, um, and then a very well-known um, bebop drummer named Freddie Waits, who a lot of old jazz cats will know exactly who Freddie Waits is, who passed way too early at a very young age, but you know, very well-known beat uh, drummer from the bebop era. So I was lucky enough to, you know, my my dad put me with some really talented drummers and i got different aspects of music from each one of them you know one was more technical reading the other was um the other two were were more kind of like swing style and funk so that was kind of like my initial introduction uh, introduction into music and then growing up on on 121st street you know playing in um you know the Damasio yep. family we would go to 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 a place called rock church and i <laughs> you know they had the the band there the church band and i started playing drums in the okay. band and then played drums in the in the the my high school band the jazz band there so i was you know very much attracted to to okay. rhythm um and rhythm sections and bass lines and music. I was never really into uh, lyrical content of a song, but I was always into just feeling the um, the feel of of a composition right. of a track and and that sort of thing. So that was my initial, and then of course that led to to DJing right, right? In, in high school and you know as we were coming up. Uh, listening hip hop was just breaking out. Um, remember the summer of '86, and that's where kind of, you know, right before then, I say '85, '84 is when I started DJing. Mm. And um, do you remember the yes, Perry's? Remember the Perry's yes, on the sir. third floor? Yeah, they lived on the third floor of our building. And Darren Perry, he was the one who got me DJing. Yep. Um, and he would be on the third floor cutting up what was a, a it was a James Brown record. It was the record that I don't even know the name of it, but it goes then 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 yeah. So he would cut that. I think that might have been like his. Uh, it might have been like <laughs> some of the few few doubles that he had and he just played it relentlessly and out the window and everyone right. on the block could hear it. I heard it up on the sixth floor mm. and that's where it got my interest. And then when, when Darren lost his interest in DJ and he, he gave me his, his turntable oh, wow. set. Um, and then that's how, that's how I started DJing. The first records were like AJ scratch. Wow. <laughs> Uh, was Dog a Donut, Blondie, uh, 
man, I can't even I can't even remember some of those those older records. Yeah. Spoonie G, though, yeah, he gave me his whole uh, his whole um, that record was crazy. collection. I wonder, I wonder if he knew that yeah. it would it would end up being so big, you know, DJing. He, no. no one had an idea back then. That's the crazy part. So let's let's fast. No, he yeah. he he was like, I'm just gonna I got to get out here and get some money later for this right, DJ and right. stuff. And so he, you know, he's like, I gotta get out here and hustle. And so he started hustling and gave me his gave me his DJ kit. Yeah, yeah. All right. So fast forward. Let's let's get to um Syracuse, and after Syracuse, um. How did you stay in lockstep with music again? How did how did that happen? Because you were going to Syracuse for economics, right? I went, yeah, I majored in economics. Um, yeah, I wanted to actually become a drummer, but um, it was a, because both of my parents had been musicians, they kind of steered you away encourage that not to happen <laughs> yeah because they knew they knew how it was yeah the life of a musician especially as a musician i wanted to be that and so they kind of like nudged me to you know so i i did you know i declared my major in economics and i thought that that would be something that could support me and be you know a more responsible thing to do however like at syracuse i never stopped <laughs> having an interest right. in music and um, and new music that was coming out. So I did bring, I brought that DJ kid up there with me to Syracuse and DJ parties. And, you know, Syracuse was a, was a, I mean, it was very tough to stay focused on, <laughs> on, on academics. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and I definitely got pulled into that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was a, 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 you know, I wasn't, you know, I was a good student. You know, I was probably, without trying, like uh, a B, right. you know, a B, you know, 3.0 student. But um, just because I I could maintain a a, a 3.0 and party, it made me feel like you know, I could get through school without a problem. And I put more emphasis on hanging out and partying than I, you know, and music than I did on, you know, my actual academics, which, you know, it is what it is, you know? Okay. Then, then let's, let's, let's move a little forward then. Let's, let's get to the, um, after graduation, after graduating from Syracuse, how did you become and A and R. Just tell me, walk me through that process. Well, while I was still at Syracuse, we we had this um, this event called the Greek Freak, which um, was an event that happened every year and um, was sponsored by the Black Panhellenic Council at Syracuse and. Kind of like a celebration of all of the um, black fraternities and right. sororities on the campus, of which I was a part of Omega Psi Phi fraternity at Kappa okay. Chapter. And um, I think the my third oh, the year before I I left for two years I I I found myself in the position of of being able to 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 executive produce and, and, and promote the Greek right. freak. And so part of the Greek freak, you know, it was the step show and weekend of, of um, just, you know, it was a great weekend. People would come up, travel from different, different schools to come up to the Greek freak. And part of the, um, the weekend was, was entertainment, musical entertainment. We'd have a concert both Friday and Saturday night. And so I, uh, I was able to promote and, and, and bring in and book some of the acts um, that we had at Greek Freak. I think it was 89 and 90. I don't know. Was it 90 and 91? I forget. I think that those were the years, 90 and 91. Um, so I was able, I booked, uh, let's see, like 
uh, Run DMC, Special Ed, um, Tribe Called Quest when they first came out, Brand Nubian, um, MC Light. These are all artists that I, <clears throat> that I was bringing up to Syracuse right at a time when hip hop was just starting to break out. So around 88, 89, is, you know, you had this little little battle or or competition between house you know house music was big and then you had hip-hop and it's kind of like they were neck and neck um you know dance music uh, house music and i think right around the 90s is or late 80s and 90s when hip-hop started to kind of like take a lead on on house and garage music and, and, and become much more popular. Right. And I think, you know, when some of those, some of those artists we booked with tribe and brand Nubian is like really on the cutting edge, um, of, uh, of hip hop breaking out. And so that, you know, getting a taste of that <clears throat> as I was graduating, um, opened me up to the question of like, huh, I wonder what, a <clears throat> what a you know what a career is like working in in, in, right. in music you know yeah in the music industry but i didn't know what i wanted to do i still was graduating with um with an economics right. degree and i was like oh, i gotta get out and <laughs> go, you know, go get a job and pay back these student loans and be a responsible productive member of society you know working for a bank or whatever right. you know but um but yeah so you know as i found coming out and looking for a gig i graduated in 91 leaving syracuse it wasn't that easy i think we had had a heavy recession um uh during during that period and and it just wasn't a lot of hiring going on so i actually ended up um oh yeah it was somebody who had gone to Syracuse who was working at Profile Records who um, I bumped into, I don't know, probably down on West 4th Street. And I told him I was looking for a gig. And he was like, hey, you know, we have a job in the mailroom oh. here at Profile. <laughs> and I was like, really? He was like, I was like, what do you do there? He said, I do radio promotions. And I said, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I'll take right. something. So I took that gig. I think I was earning that job paid like eleven, like eleven thousand oh. dollars a year. It's like, <laughs> you know, here I was like a, a a graduate, you know, college graduate, had a degree in economics. And First um, job you get eleven thousand. That was <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but you know what? I was like, all right, you know, lemons to um, lemonade. Here's Profile Records. It had Run DMC on the label. It had, um, you know, some artists that I, I had been familiar with. Um, and I was like, yeah, let's, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot and see where this leads. So that's that's how I started working in the music From industry. the mailroom. <laughs> in the mailroom, okay. yeah. Now, now let's, let's, let's move forward to um, the mailroom up. What happened then? What's the transition of there? Um, again, it was like just, you know, just being at the right place at the right time. You know, I'm out of school. I, I, I finally have a job. I got a little bit of money in my pocket. But back then in New York, you didn't need True. a whole lot of money to have True. fun in New York. It's like, you know, we we were out every day of the week you know, downtown at right. all the spots and, and just just having fun, right? And I think I had, I bumped into, um, or I met, or actually I, I, I would see um, this guy named Dave Gossett at all, all the spots. I didn't know where he, he worked, um, but I ended up um, finding myself at Mercury Records uh, doing A and R, and then bumping into him again, um, coming out, coming out of the elevators, and um, 
it wasn't Dave that that gave me that first job at Polygram. It was um, a, a guy named Brian Jackson, who um, was working in publicity for Walter Green, Mercury Records. And um, Brian and Walter had been looking for to bring on a part-time assistant. And, and I said, well, he's like, well, where are you now? I said, well, I'm in the mailroom at Profile. I said, well, we're, we're looking to hire a part-time assistant to work in publicity. And I was like, okay, well, what does that pay? And turned out that that part-time gig paid me more money <laughs> your full time. than the full-time gig in the mailroom. So, yeah, after about six months in the mailroom, I was out oh of there. Oh, my God. And, I, and that's how I, and then I went to, to Mercury working um, for Walter Green, Jackie Reinhardt, this, uh, Bobby Duckett. This was when Ed Eckstein was the president Mercury. of Mercury Records. Yeah, yeah. And so I started working there. And then I reconnected with Dave, just seeing him out um, at all the spots. And he knew that I was out you know, kind of like just running around and um, we seemed to kind of vibe and he eventually, you know, said, Hey, why don't you come work with me over in, in A&R? Um, because we would talk about music. We would, you know, we just, yeah, we just had a, a, a similar um, love for the That's culture. Crazy. So, so he gave me a shot to, to come work with him and listen to all the demos you know, that came in through through the mail or take the meetings that he didn't want to take and so forth, so on. So that's kind of like, that was how I progressed from from profile to um, to, to okay. Mercury. Like, um, do you think um, the way that uh, the industry is now that they, they're missing that kind of connection, maybe due to the, the internet wave, think that um you know going out the fun that you used to have back in the day um and actually getting the feel of these records is missing from like missing the soul and the music right now um yeah i mean it's definitely different and and i can't even say i know how they how they do music gets broken today cuz i just don't pay that much attention to it mm-hmm. Um, but I would imagine that there's a big, is a huge disconnect um, between, you know, what we would call like a, an A and R or talent development, artist development, which you saw more of that yeah. back then. You know, someone like Dave Gossett or myself, or you know, Ed Eckstein or any like really talented, you know, individual who had a good feel for music, maybe some musical talent or background, or maybe not just like a really good ear, what they would call, and the ability to identify talent. There was much more of a connection of what was going on in the studios um, at local, um, local, uh, just local performance mm-hmm. scenes, right? That would get a buzz out, right? And then this, you know, you had people that were able to 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 find new talent and then bring them in and either develop them until they're ready to 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 be released, or just sign them right off immediately and then go, you know, develop a record or maybe do some demos or you know, whatever it was, but there was a little bit more artist development that, that went on back then. And maybe that was a, yeah, maybe that was a good thing. But then, you know, on the flip side, you started to see um, a lot more entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial action happening on the side of the artists. Let's say you had artists of talent that couldn't get the attention of a record company's A&R or talent division. 
to, to give them a deal. So what they do, they went and said, I'm going to do it myself. And they put their record out. Such on their own. And, you know, yeah. um, well, let's see who, you know, um, who was no limit, right. right. Master P when, when he put his, nice his thing there. out, right. You mm-hmm. saw, all right. And you saw, um, who were the, uh, you know, little yep. Wayne and, and that whole cash crew, money. that's yep. how they, they got uh, cash money, got started like mm-hmm. that too, you know, just putting it out locally, causing, you know, creating a buzz and more so record sales and doing it without a label. Right. And at the end of the day, record companies, you know, do they care about talent or do they care about the monetization mm-hmm. of talent? They, they care about money. And so if they saw something just come out of nowhere, um, you know, uh, you know, selling 50,000, 30,000 units, you know, 100,000 units out of a certain region, it got their attention. Absolutely. Um, and that, that almost started the trend of like, I don't care if, if you know, what our A&R person thinks about this. I don't care about their musical opinion. I don't care if this is good or if it's bad or if it's, wow. you know, if it has a place in, in, you know, in, in where music is going in a positive, oh, look how, look at the record sales, right. you know, this is a, this thing just shot up how many positions it's at number one. That's what we care about. And so then you, you started to see a shift of um, new music coming in driven by business development mm-hmm. um as opposed to artist right. development and so that that became a trend and that laid the the the, 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 the um probably the tracks for the internet where you know youtube then it was like youtube you know <laughs> somebody put this stuff on youtube and they, they got so yeah. many views right they they didn't even um they didn't even press a record and uh go to radio with it they're just getting views or myspace pages you know that that's where technology really started to to take that to another level you know allowing local artists to do it on their own take the initiative get exposure um and in one sense, that's great. It was em- empowering for, you know, local talent that couldn't get in the door to to play their demo, to do it on their own, to prove it, prove their their fan base, their following, and then get a seat at the table to to have the leverage to cut and negotiate that's, their deal. That's smooth, right? Um, so that there there's a, uh, I guess that's a a good side to that. The bad side is that it eventually led to, you know, music just being completely driven by business right. development um, and, and artist development Dying eventually out. died yeah. on the vine. You know, they it's like, why are we hiring? Why are we spending all these salaries for this artist development um, division? And they haven't brought any of the hits, you know. But, but actually, you guys did. You guys were bringing it. You were bringing we did, in yeah. classic I, I'm not hits saying, back then. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's my opinion. I'm saying that there, that was yeah. the point of view. Yeah, that was the point of view. That was the argument that was yeah. being made. Right. I get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, going to you know your days as an A and R at Mercury Records, and you you had a, a young a young D'Angelo who brought D'Angelo in to your, um, to your presence back then. Um, D'Angelo was signed, was found discovered, I guess, by Jocelyn Cooper, who was, uh, the president and founder of midnight music publishing company, which I think was a joint venture that she did with Mercury and Ed Eckstein. Um, so she had found D'Angelo, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, 
um, I don't know the story of how she did, but you know, she did. And she was the one that, that brought him in. And I only met D'Angelo after the fact when um, Jocelyn's office was right around the corner from my office. And I think there was a buzz going around about this new artist <laughs> that was the new prince is what, as everyone was saying, yeah, we, you know, he's like the next prince. Um, Dave McPherson was saying that mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> and and um, they, they were looking to, you know, get him, get D'Angelo with new artists, um, co-writers, right, to start writing some music for his album and just to, to, to develop him. Right. And that's exactly, actually, that, that fits right into the point. That's exactly what she was doing, right. you know. Um, Jocelyn was, was bringing him in and cultivating him um, to, to develop as a writer and a producer and an artist. Um, she did a great job exactly um yeah uh, yeah you know i i remember you telling me a couple of things times you used to just come over to your office and and just play records and you guys uh yeah we when he would uh he was from down south he would come up and you know he'd be up in new york for a bit and he you know, this is before he blew up. Quiet, shy. Yeah, this is before right. he dropped before he dropped his record. He's still kind of like developing him as an artist. Um, he's very shy, very cool. He's like I I was very surprised because when they said, you know, um the next prince, I was picturing like, you know, some dude yeah. looking like Prince with you know, with a perm and <laughs> oh, okay. Shout out to Prince. You know, just like shout out to Prince. (laughs) Yeah, God bless. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like very superstarish, flamboyant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glitz. Um, but he was just like this hip hop kid. (laughs) To be honest, you know, he was just like you know very and and had a real interest in in hip hop. Mm. Um, so I was like, okay. And was he rocking you know, the braids back then? We, or was it different? Cornrows. Uh, yeah, I think he was. Okay. I think he was. Um, I don't remember, man. <laughs> I don't remember what 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 this what the hairstyle was, but probably had a baseball cap on okay. most of the time. Um. But we we connected when 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 we were introduced. We definitely connected. Um, I think he took a liking to what was going on on my side of the office and some of the artists that were coming in and out and some of the music that was who's being played. Who's the artists so coming in and out? He, well, we had Black Sheep at the time, like so. Okay. Drez um, would be through, and I think you know at the time Black Sheep was popular and. And so he, you know, it's like, wow, you know, he, he um, I think he looked up to some of the, the artists that we had okay. on the label. Diamond was Diamond there. Um, L. Al Scratch. Yeah. Ed O.G. and the Bulldogs. Oh, Ed O.G. Right? was there. Boston. So, um, Shout out Boston. Yeah. That was on, um, that was on the PWL label okay. in print. Um uh ultra magnetic mc wow. so we had like a little bit of and all of that was dave gossett uh, i should okay. add dave was the one who signed um ultra magnetic mcs and mm-hmm. black sheep so you know much credit and props to dave gossett um so but we that like that's what the roster had so there's a little bit of hip-hop history there and i think that that sort of excitement is what had D'Angelo kind of wide-eyed, you know. Um, it seemed like know, he, he, he uh, infused a lot of hip-hop into his music, too. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, 
he would come by and we and I would just play stuff and I think Jocelyn had asked me to put him with with some co-writers because I think he wanted to do this this um this hip hop R and B feel. Um so she was looking to put him with some producers that could give him some um that hip hop feel. Give him yeah. some chops. Yeah, and give him some bounce to the low mm-hmm. end. Um and some drum when I say chops, I mean drum chops. And um and that that he could write over on top of. Um which eventually that's exactly what his first album was, right? If you listen to it. It was, you know, it was drum chops with with keyboard. These real soulful bass lines um, and harmonies by him and piano piano line mm-hmm. piano runs. You know, that was all really organically. Um, it organically happened, but obviously it was D'Angelo was his vision, but. It was guided by by people Jericho. like um, Jocelyn. That's dope. That's mm-hmm. dope. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, I think he she she had he was writing with um, Ali Shaheed Muhammad from Muhammad from the from tribe. tribe. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I think she had him doing co-writing. I don't know who who all the other writers were, but I think I never put him with anybody. Um, but because I think a lot of the the producers who I might have suggested might have been, and I don't even remember who I suggested because I think I think I probably would would play stuff and and um, he like it or not. Either Jocelyn yeah. approved it. Well, I think he loved it. He loved a lot of it, but I think a Jocelyn guided it. W- yeah. Whatever writers, yeah, Jocelyn had the final. Yeah. The the final um, green light for whoever he he went in it and did a co well, She did an there. awesome job. I tell um, you that. So I don't know. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I know yeah. that. I know that you were you were one of the first people to to give Dark Child a, a opportunity. Did you give Dark Child um, Rodney Jerkins? Did you give him uh, a, a play with D'Angelo at the time? This was before Rodney. I think this was okay. before Rodney. This was before Rodney. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is before I met Rodney Jerkins. Okay. And how did you how did you meet him? Yeah. How did you meet Rodney? I met Rodney through a friend. Um she did publicity and I don't remember where. <laughs> My memory is really, really <laughs> bad when it comes to this era, man, I just, this, I don't remember names, but I, you know, um, she was a friend and she had told me about, oh, you know, you have to, you have an incredible R&B producer, which, you know, you heard that yeah, all yeah. the time, you know, but, and then she said, yeah, but, you know, his, his manager is, is this preacher and he's a real character and you, you're not going to believe it when you meet him, but he's for real. His father. And, uh, but you got to meet him. And I was, yeah, yeah. The Rev, the Reverend. <laughs> so, uh, so I had to go through Rodney's dad. I remember calling him and uh, getting him on the phone and setting up mm-hmm. a meeting halfway, really not, not even expecting much. I was kind of like just taking the meeting because um, she was a friend and she, she was so persistent. Okay. Um, but absolutely, when the Rev came in with Rodney and that briefcase <laughs> <laughs> of his music and dance, and he, yeah, it was immediate. I think Rodney was like maybe 17 or 18 okay. at that time. Oh, he was like young, that. young. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was making a record on an artist named Veronica at the time um, from the Bronx. Oh, yeah, Veronica. A female singer from the Bronx. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had her working with Diamond at the time. Um, we were doing her demos, still trying to figure out a direction. Right. And when I heard Rodney's stuff, like, like right off the bat, hands down, like, like, 
I was like, okay, she's gonna. Uh, I put Ronnie to right with her, and that would. I think that was his first. Oh, his first um, multi-song right, production right. deal. Like we did like six songs. Okay. Because I think up until then it had been like onesies and twosies. Right. Like he had the Rev was just getting Rodney, you know, placements. But that was a big a big deal with you know like getting half the record almost. So um, yeah, so you were his first multi situation, right? But he, I think so. I don't remember anyone else. You know, you might have to ask him, but I, I don't. I, I remember the excitement uh-huh. <laughs> that they had over getting a six a six song production deal and getting that contract done. So I think that, that was, was a big first. deal. That is a big deal even today. Um, but then uh, yeah. who was the guy that put him with Puff though? And and Missy and your other artists over there at Mercury. What's her name? Those things you do. Uh. Bruce, Bruce Carbone. Carbone. Right. Bruce did that, huh? Mm-hmm. Legendary cat. He's still in the game out here. But um that song went crazy. I think that was the I think that was the the big record that took Rodney out of here, right? Mhm. Yep. So how did Bruce um get him out of your um clutches for that? No, I mean, everyone would at the see. Anytime we had, you know, really good talent, you share know, talent. We share talent. You know, right. I shared talent okay. all the time. You know, you know, something was great. I'd share it with obviously I shared it with my boss at the time, Lisa Cortez, with Ed. You know, um, Bruce was see, but Bruce wasn't really. Bruce didn't know anything about this type of music. He was more of like a dance okay. guy. At the time, he you know he his thing was like um, Crystal Waters. He oh. was you know um, homeless. Yeah. Remember that record? Yeah, yeah Bruce was like was a big time dance A and R guy. But again, we're coming into the time of hip hop exploding, mm-hmm. like eight, like late eight, like early nineties. Like hip hop is starting to explode, right. or mid. By this time, no. This this time we're coming into like, yeah, mid mid nineties, right? Like right, right yeah, around, 95. yeah, mid nineties. So, yeah, I'm really bad with dates, man. But I know it was like early nineties to mid nineties, and and you couldn't deny the money that hip hop was making and the sales and the and radio was demanding right. it, right? Um. And there was this this shift from dance music to hip hop, mm-hmm. right? Radio just wanted to play; they wanted hip hop, you know. Yeah. And and period. And so Bruce figured it out. Had to pivot. <laughs> he recognized, yeah, he recognized there was major climate change going on, and um, he he didn't know anything about like who who these producers were and what, you know, the approach. So, um, so a lot of, a lot of what was coming out of my office, I shared with Bruce yeah. or he'd say, Oh, who is that? You know, like here, take his number. Wow. There you go. Take his number. So, so that's, you know, that's how that happened. It was, you know, Bruce was, was interesting, <laughs> you know, um, but, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, I could see. Yeah. I, I, I could, I could read between the lies, but yeah, that well, it it, it worked <laughs> out though, right? It worked out, you know. He, it worked you know, out. Yeah. He, um, he, he did his thing with that one, that puff connection. He, he, yeah, he, he made happen. that happen. Yeah. He pivoted. He, made that. he went from Capizios, from Capizios <laughs> to to Fubu. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. From Crystal Waters uh, to Puff yeah. Daddy. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It worked. Wearing, hey, it worked. Walking down the halls of Mercury in a, in a hoodie, Timberland, right. and a Fubu. And <laughs> Bruce Carbone. Hey, it worked out. Yeah. Hey, Bruce. Yeah. Big shout out to it Bruce worked. Carbone. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. Big shout out to and, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm I'm uh, you know, I just wanna shoot right into this this part right here is is how did you meet up with my man John Legend? I know um they pitched him around before, but when you met him, wasn't he like a, a political consultant? Yeah. Uh, again, I'm, I met John through a friend. Female friend, right? My friend, Brand, yeah, Brandy right. Ship. She was, um, she worked for um, Boston yep. Consulting Group, BCG. And same thing. Oh, I've just got lucky, this amazing right? talent. Yeah, you, have you just to got get. lucky, right? <laughs> you just uh-huh. got lucky. <laughs> got lucky, but that's all right. of this is luck. Yeah, Look, let me all get of lucky it is luck, like that. Let know? me get John. <laughs> but and keep in mind, it's like I I never signed right. John to a deal. I never, you know, I can't really say I I I I helped. You know, I helped him uh, as much as I could, but. You pitched you him, know, John. I give John. Yeah. I pitched him, but let's keep. Let's remember too. At this time, you have a lot of people pitching Correct. a lot of people. <laughs> you know, it was a little bit of the wild, mm-hmm. wild west. Um, even even while I was shopping, John, um, Drew Dixon was shot. Was also okay. shopping, John. Um. I think Drew worked. I I forget who where Drew works. I know she did A and R for one of the other labels. Um, but it, yeah, so it's like you'd have a lot of different ears on good talent, and so so Brandy, you know, by by luck, she passed me his tape, and and I of course I was super impressed and met John and went down to his place down in um, his apartment in the Lower East Side on West 4th where he had his studio. And I just, I just felt he was like a super nice guy, man. Super smart, like super smart, very Mm -hmm. intelligent, you know, um, guy that like, you know, could do so many different things, you know, without being an artist. You know, but it was obvious that he just had immense talent and love for music, right? He, um, and this is what he wanted wow, to he, do. So he he so, was he was doing rather well financially prior to music. Yeah, well, I don't oh. I don't know what, but I mean, I know that he was. I don't know what he was doing financially, but I let's just say if you're working. At Boston Consulting <laughs> Group, you know, you you have a, a a full career ahead of you, and even after two or three years at at you know BCG, you can almost write a ticket and and move on and get a Anyone. job, go into any other type of vertical career from that. You know, it's because it's consulting, you know. But um, but this is what he wanted to do. Wow. And and at the time, I. He, I mean, we had talked about management, and he asked if I would manage him. But I was, um, I actually had was leaving the music industry and going back to school to right. grad school. So, so it was just bad timing. Um, but you know, I that was the agreement. It's like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll shop and move your, put you in front of some folks as best I can and help you move you know get to where you want to go and i did that didn't give him any contract i didn't ask for a contract and it was was more so just like hey you know whatever you if anything happens just take care of right you know that was it wow that's the homeboy deal yeah um yeah so so that that um i mean i know you pitched him to everyone how did that turn out And who rejected him? Yeah, I don't even remember all the places we went. This was a handful. Um, Well, there's... I did take him to McPherson. Dave McPherson. um, McPherson, who 
you know, at the time he was at Sony, um, Dave McPherson had had signed um, some really good talent. At Mercury, he had signed um, Joe, okay. uh, the R&B artist Joe, who is like really awesome talent, great songwriter. Yeah. Um, and Dave had really good ears. And he was also a singer too. <laughs> I don't know if people know that, but Dave Dave could sing. Um, he signed Backstreet Boys at Jive yeah. and Mandy Moore. So he had a real uh, ear for, for pop talent. And so I brought uh, John to Dave, but it was one of those days that like Dave, uh, I mean, yeah, Dave was just like super busy, had a lot going on. And I, and I don't really know if he had the full his full attention on on what we were presenting you know so yeah i think on that day maybe david just had a lack of attention yeah 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 yeah. he kind of didn't hear it um which is fine that happens to, to everybody um so he had passed on 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 john john legend but yeah, I was going <laughs> to almost say John's real name, John's last name. Yeah, but we're just yeah, leaving yeah, John Legend. Yeah, I think they he, yeah. he has it online, so people know it's all good. Yeah, oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. but uh, well, uh, I I don't want to make this too long, but I know that you know you and the roots. How did how did your roots relationship? happen because i know um i know that um uh your boy the drummer of the roots uh praised you in his book and i just wanted to talk about how that connection happened uh amir i don't know if he praised me i know he mentioned me (laughs) (laughs) um but being amir we've always been good right you know and I think he gave me a, a nice heads up, a, a, a nod, which I appreciate. Um, but I met, I met Amir, um, Tariq through, and Rich when Rich Nichols was managing them. God right. bless. God bless. Them. God bless Rich. You know, um, through, again, like all of this is luck, man. <laughs> An intern who was working for me at the time at uh, at Mercury, he was an in, he was an intern, but going to school at Temple. Rob um, was the one who passed me their their CD that they pressed. Oh, hold up. on, hold on. Before you even say that, and Rob, we're gonna keep it on Rob. Uh, but um, didn't James Cruz um work up under you as well? Yeah. James Cruz, James yes. Cruz. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. So it was Rob that Well, he didn't work under me. He didn't he didn't James didn't work for me, but he worked over on the retail right. side uh for Nicole DeSane. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um yeah, 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 yeah. He worked over on the other side. But he was always always on our side hanging out. Um James was always a good guy, very hungry. Hungry from the <laughs> beginning. That's yeah. good. Yeah, but, but yeah. Rob Rob was the one who brought um uh brought you to the um brought the attention of the roots to you. Yes. And I was blown away by the record. I mean, just because of the live musicianship oh, of it all and yeah, the jazz yeah, yeah, influence. Yeah. yeah, because of my own right. personal, you know, upbringing and influence with, with jazz. And my dad, um, I, I thought it was incredible, and so the, I he gave me the, the 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 contact information, and I called up Rich, and um, and I drove down to Philly to to go see them perform um, early on, and yeah, tried to try to try to bring them into to Mercury, so. That's how that happened. So that's how you build your rapport. Try to sign them. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah. 
Of course. Came... Of course. They ended up in a big, big bidding, uh, war. bidding war, which which I didn't win, which, you know, Amir talks about that in yeah. his book. I mean, a little bit more details, but um, we'll just stick right. with Amir's <laughs> <laughs> take on it. Um, but yeah, that was that was a painful one to see to see the roots sign you, yeah. Uh, to not be able to to sign them, you know, I had a lot of passion for what they were doing, and and, and all um, the people they had in that camp, boy. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. By by that yeah. bidding war, by you even setting the um, you know, getting trying to get them in the fray, the belief in the other artists that came from within those guys confidence built it you know was built after that you know with what the other guys they have yeah. legend is over there but you have who um music soul child was in that camp i mean oh they had so many who else who else was other people down with them at that time well just vibing with them they they rich used to do this um Rich had something going on called Black Lily um, at Wetlands down um, downtown, and downtown Philly? it was all about uh, no, 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 oh, downtown, no, no. Wetlands down downtown New York, yeah, below Houston. I think it was below, no, but no, below Canal. Okay. Uh, so that was all dedicated to to curating and cultivating new talent coming out um coming out of the roots crew i think um who was the singer that they had um the jaguar um, jaguar jaguar, right. jaguar. Yeah. she used to kind of like be the the resident artist at black lily um uh, at Wetlands, but they, I mean, they had so much talent that came through there, um, that did so many, so many amazing things, you know, it's like just dripping with a lot of, a lot of talent and, and good people and great artists. Yeah. I, I, I totally get it. Man, I mean, I know that have been, that was a big one for you. Uh, <laughs> that one right there and legend. I mean, you you had them, <laughs> you you had them. Hey, you don't. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't get. You don't you get don't, kudos uh, for almost. Get the right? you don't get, I get for almost doesn't get do it. it you know? So, but at the time, you know, I was the type of A and R person. I wasn't. I I can't really classify myself as a typical A and R person. I didn't really view myself, I, I, you know, <laughs> yes, I wanted to, to get that deal done. And I didn't view what I was doing as all about business. I was literally just having a ball, you know, being in, being in, the, in this world, you know, and having the opportunity to meet talent, hear new music, and maybe get a chance to, to create it. That was good right. enough for me, right? Right, and um, you know maybe I wasn't astute enough to be able to play the politics that needed to be played and run the games that you needed to do in order to be successful. You know, as a, others were, <laughs> as someone that could close the deal, right? <laughs> you know, um, it was like that aspect of. The job was not something yeah, that, that turned to you me. off, right? Um, it it really wasn't, you know. Um, I was just like this hip hop kid, you know, wanting to just like happy to be in the mix, you know, working, yeah. doing what I love and working with the music and and being a part of that. Did it ever you feel know? like work, um, or, or or when it? It, it didn't feel all. like work, but when the Not at all. when other when when funny stuff started to happen, then it, it, it drew a lot of energy up out of you. I could tell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like it's a whole nother, you know. Put aside your your talent 
to, you know, whatever you're good at what you're doing, you had to have a whole nother skill set to keep right. your job. They call, you know, you know, uh, and it had nothing to do with your abilities. It just had to do with how you position yourself hmm. in, in the, in the work hierarchy and, you know, that sort of thing and, hmm. and maneuvered. Right. So I didn't really, that was, that was one game that I kind of like did not play and didn't really, um, take the time to, to get right. good at. And so I eventually kind of just said, Hey, this, this business is not for me. Right. That's when you, and that's why I left. That's it. when you yeah. stepped away. And, and just when, just yeah. when, um, you had legend in your hand. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder, um, hey. what, what did legend? Legend, legend did everything that was supposed to happen happened. Because yeah. look at where he is, you know, he's an amazing, amazing star. People love his music; he changes lives. So, you know, I, it all happened the way it was supposed to happen. And if I played like you know a role for that in any way, you know, right? Just like a stepping stone role, then yeah. that's great. That's great, you know. Man, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I. I know, I know more than what you want to let let off on on this thing, but you know, let's let's just see how this plays out with the people who you know are into music and and love um the behind the scenes, um, you know the people unseen, you know and what they did and you know may have may have not influenced certain you know legendary groups and acts, you know like such as yourself as I believe. And I, I may know in my in my opinion, but you know, uh, you know, let's let's see how the people react on this on this podcast. We just talking because um, I think I, I I got a funny feeling that people are gonna want to know more and probably some more in depth. And then you know, you may even get some some love from some of the people we mentioned. You know, um, if they reach out to us, you know, we'll we'll talk. But Ken, um, thank you for your time right now, uh, and um, I appreciate you giving me your time right now for this. Um, to talk to me, just chopping yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for man, you, for for you the know, invitation. Man, the block, man, is special, man. One two one is special. We got a we got a lot yeah. of special individuals, which you know um, I'm going to be talking to and um, shine a light on them. You know. Uh, there you and, go. Uh, again, man, thank you. Much love, Ken. You know I got love for you. So, you know, um, you've been a hundred <laughs> extra, a hundred and ten with me uh, every time. And um Yeah, yeah and you and then I will say that you have some really great ears <laughs> on you too and and abilities and I'm I'm really it's I'm I really like watching you cut yeah, your I'm, teeth. I'm trying and, push forward doing everything that you're trying to do so you know it's great to see to see your passion for music and and i know that you're gonna be doing some big things right now appreciate you thanks again appreciate you man and um uh i i think we'll probably do something else later but let's let's see let's see how the people take it and you know always the people so uh and um We'll talk and we'll talk about, uh, you know, submitting some of the music that you're into now and um, what you're looking for. Because you're because when you were looking at the roots, that music was. For a small group. Which turned out to be some of the biggest, (laughs) the biggest albums of all time, you know, Uh, D'Angelo, you were on top of him, even though you didn't bring him in. You were on top of his music from the beginning, so uh, you know. Yeah, I can't. I I, I can't. T- I, I can't know. Oh no, no, no. That's all Jocelyn. I mean, no, no. I'm not saying that. That's yeah, Jocelyn. Yeah. I'm just saying that you are you are on top. You you knew that he was one of those. I was just lucky enough to be in in the in that space and time when when all of that was happening. Rodney you know? Jerkins it was Come really. On. Rodney Jerk is one of the big, yeah. biggest producers. Come on, man. I, I, you, I know you're humble, but come on, yeah. dog. Rodney Jerkins, John yeah. Legend. Yeah. I mean, those the roots you try. I mean, I hear you, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, you was a part of something in there. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. But look, I also had records that 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 people didn't yeah, care of for course, too. But you know, everybody does. That's not everyone does. Trust me. Yeah. You know, even Timberland. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, that's a part of the game. Uh, but to me, you you know, you're one of those special cats. I'd say the majority. I'd say the majority of my records are records <laughs> that, that that you know. <laughs> uh, I, I right? could bring up. So, I could bring up a name, okay. but I don't want to get into that um conversation right now. But uh, you know, one of the one of your um groups that you had, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that because I know you don't want to talk about that. So um. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that, Mr. C. Mr. Okay, C. Okay, he will understand. But um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So, thank you again, Ken. I'm gonna let you go. Um, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, again, one to one. This is uh, my block. One to one podcast. Hi, right, kid. All right, later. Grand, Grand Hill. <laughs> Grand Hill. <laughs> I can later. All right. All right. All right, Ed. Later. Peace. I know it gets hard to see. People just don't believe. Hope you don't feel the same. Oh, I. They don't understand a thing. Everyone's afraid to fall. When I'm willing to risk it all. Even when they try to tell me love just ain't. Right now, you're listening to Harlem Zone St. Peter with his exclusive unreleased track titled Before It's Too Late. Discover extraordinary stories from your own neighborhood and beyond by visiting myblockpodcast.com. Subscribe now to be a part of the journey where we share captivating tales of remarkable individuals residing on your street, your block, or your section. Calling all musicians. If you're eager to have your music featured on our show, head over to newkingmmg.com for submission details. Join us in celebrating local talents and spreading their melodies to a wider audience.